1: Everyone to episode number nine of the Pennsburg podcast. I am Garrett Bahana, joined once again by another one of our great writers here at Pensburg, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how are you tonight?
2: Uh, good. How about you, Garrett?
1: I'm pretty good. Uh, so let's get right into it. We have uh, we have a lot to talk about since our last podcast went out on November 30th. Uh, since over that stretch, the Penguins have played in, I believe, uh, I believe six games uh, since our last podcast on the 30th of November. Playing against, uh, starting against the Philadelphia Flyers on December first. Uh, unfortunately, we were at that game. Uh, that was the uh, Pensburg meetup game. Uh, unfortunately, the Penguins losing four to two against the Flyers on Saturday, December first. Following up with uh, a pretty nice win against the Avalanche, a six to three win against the Avalanche on December fourth, uh, and then a- another six goal outing against the Islanders on December sixth. Following that up with an overtime loss against the uh, the Senators on December 8th, a uh, shootout win against the Islanders on December 10th, and then most recently the game against the 6-3 to loss against the Chicago Blackhawks last night on Wednesday Night Hockey. Um, like I said, we, we, we are not going to go super in-depth into all of these games. Uh, there's just too much to talk about over uh, that stretch to, to go into each game individually. Uh, but what I want to do is uh, – talk about the the big ticket items over the stretch of games Robbie I don't know if you're getting the sense that I'm getting it seems like this team it can't get out of its own way it seems like they're, they're taking uh maybe two steps forwards and then two steps back or two steps forward and then three steps back it seems like whenever they're getting momentum uh if you look at the games against the island or the um the avalanche and then the Islanders where they won six to three and then six to two. And then they follow that up with an overtime loss against the low leaf senators. And then they eke out a shootout win against the Islanders. And then they come back against the Blackhawks, who have been statistically, I think they've been the worst team in the league this year, losing to them six to three last night. They can't find sustained stretches of momentum. And I think I talked about this with Kate in our last podcast, where the team is running out of time, the team's running out of time for them to, to really consistently get momentum and, and really start to feel like a complete unit. We're in the middle of December now, and it just it just seems like there's there's no consistency, there's no unity. The, the team's getting some fresh bodies back in Matt Cullen and, and Matt Murray's back, and, and I'm sure we'll address their returns momentarily. But for whatever reason, these are teams – that the Penguins should be beating. They should be beating the Ottawa Senators pretty handily. They should be beating the worst team in the league, the Chicago Blackhawks, pretty handily. And yet, for whatever reason, this team is still struggling to to string wins together. And, and like I said, these are, these are games that the Penguins, with the star power that they have, these are games that they should be winning, and, and these are the games that they need to be getting points out of right now.
2: Yeah, I, I, I said this last night, it seems like Every, like you said, every time it's either two steps forward, three steps back, something like that. Right now it feels more like two steps forward, two steps back. It just seems like things can't – they can't put things together for more than like three or four games before they have a Chicago or Ottawa-type game where you can do some of the issues that pl- has plagued them to this point in the season. And the Chicago game really stuck out to me because the Chicago, even more so than the centers, are terrible. They were They were losing – They had lost eight in a row coming into that game. That was their second eight-game losing streak of the season to this point. And they could never, and the Penguins could never really gain control of that game. And the underlying numbers looked really good for the Penguins. But when you beg for secondary scoring all season and Brian Russ goes out and scores a hat-trick, you got to find a way at least take a point out of a game like that against a team like Chicago. And it's just disappointing that they keep kind of falling back into that trap. And we saw that against Philadelphia where – Philly is not good, and the Penguins just, they just left the team in the game. They just can't seem to put their foot fully on the gas and take advantage when the opportunity is there. And it's just becoming more and more frustrating, especially now that we're in the middle of December and points are going to get more valuable uh, from every game uh, from here on out.
1: I remember distinctly listening to the broadcast last night, and, and I heard Eddie Olczyk say, over the Blackhawks seven or eight game losing streak, they hadn't scored the first goal throughout that entire stretch. They had gone down. He he listed off the last eight or nine games in rapid fire. And he was like, they were down one nothing, two nothing, two nothing, one nothing, three nothing. He was just, I mean, it was just a testament to how bad the Blackhawks had been. I don't know if if you get the vibe, whenever they go into the United Center, whenever they go in Chicago, whenever they play on, on NBC, It's because it seems like... Obviously, you know, you know, NBC wants to get these two teams. You know, they're they're two pretty popular teams. They want to get them in prime time. Do you, do you get the vibe that whenever the Penguins meet the Blackhawks in prime time, whether it be in Chicago or in Pittsburgh, do you ever do you feel like Chicago has Pittsburgh's number? Is that is that just an irrational thought that that I've had over the last uh, I don't know three four five years in the in the Kane Tabes, Malkin Crosby era? It seems like the Blackhawks, no matter how bad they are, as we've already talked about, how bad that this team has been this year, that they, they, they still seem to find a way to get wins <laughs> against this Penguin team.
2: Yeah, the, it's been kind of a theme throughout these two competing, I guess, dynasty periods for the Blackhawks and Penguins is that the Penguins have never had much success against the Blackhawks with Kane and Taves on the team. And it's frustrating. And last night, I really thought going into the game, I even to myself, I'm saying there's no way they're winning this hockey game, or it's not going to be nearly as easy as it should be. And it wasn't. And the Penguins battled from behind all night. They didn't lead at any point. Right. And it's been kind of a theme for this last decade with the two competing, I guess you could say, superstars, the pair of superstars in each team is the Blackhawks are for the most part dominated the Penguins. And that goes for when. Both teams are good. Uh, That winter game, the outdoor game, and I believe 2014 uh, at Soldier Field, the Penguins look lackluster in that hockey game and Chicago dominated that. It just seems like Chicago kind of has that number and it just gets frustrating when Chicago is this bad and the Penguins still are just out there losing by three goals and just not playing uh, their best. And uh, that's that's something that has to be corrected because you have coming up, you have Boston Friday, uh, and then the Kings are, might be worse than the Blackhawks on Saturday, and then the Ducks team, who's not great as a team the Penguins should beat uh, on Monday. So I mean, you have some big games coming up here for the Penguins. You have a very busy stretch between uh, Friday and Christmas. Uh, you have the Capitals then on Wednesday, followed by the Wild back home and then you got Carolina who's a team you're going to be fighting with for a playoff spot you you can't you got to win those games in regulation there's no there's no question about that so uh, those are teams the Penguins can beat. it just depends on if they show up uh, to that game
1: yeah it's that's actually something that we touched on briefly in the last podcast uh, where we talked about how favorably December schedule uh, yeah December schedule matched matched up for the Penguins compared to the awful November that the team had and so far the Penguins have been Okay. I, I They haven't been lights out. And I guess you want them to be lights out, obviously. And they really should be. I mean, looking back at the, at the games we mentioned against the Senators and the, the Islanders, like you said, these are games that the Penguins should have won in regulation. And the games coming up, like you said, are games that are going to have to be won in regulation you can't afford to be giving extra points to, especially teams in the Eastern Conference, like you said, teams that you're going to be fighting for playoff positioning against, like the Bruins and uh, the Bruins, the Capitals coming up next Wednesday on Wednesday night hockey uh, and against the Hurricanes on December 22nd, the Red Wings again, after that, these are teams that are going to have to be beaten in regulation to your point. And I I think you would hope one of the keys to helping the Penguins get those regulation wins Would be the re emergence and the return of goaltender Matt Murray, who was uh, taken off of injured reserve uh, recently. And Robbie, looking at Matt Murray's stats through up until this point in the season, uh, the goaltender is uh, four, five, and one with a a 408 goals against and an 877 save percentage, which is, uh, to put it very, very lightly, it is not good. We know now that there have been some. Rather nagging injuries that have been plaguing Murray, whether that is the direct result of his rather poor play up until this point is anyone's guess. Because Murray's injuries, I don't think to this point have been really specified in any way. May, may, may what they may have been are maybe just uh, a collection of injuries that have been bugging him to the point where it would have just been a complete detriment to his to his play just to leave him out there and possibly reaggravate these injuries. But with Matt Murray coming back. You would think that he would supplant Casey DeSmith as the starter. I, I I'm under the impression that Matt Murray comes back. He is your number one goaltender. He's the guy you're invested in. He has to be the guy. You have to you have to help you have to help Matt Murray get out of this slump. Four five and one with an eight seventy-seven save percentage. I mean, that's just awful. The the 408 goes against in the save percentage. It's 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 just awful. But the only way you're going to improve that. I think, in my in my opinion, you have to get you have to get Murray out there. And you have to give him regular playing time. You can't just let him wallow on the bench, and you know let let this mental game of gymnastics continue to get to Murray. I think the only way to to let Murray rebound and hopefully we'll see if he is fully fit from the injuries that he's been recovering from is to let him get out there and basically let him sink or swim. I think this Penguins team is going to ride or die with Matt Murray as their number one goaltender. I think Casey DeSmith should be the backup. We saw Tristan Jari uh subsequently get sat down to wilkes Bear. So it's it's Casey DeSmith and it's Matt Murray for the rest of the season, you would presume, unless another injury wipes one of the goaltenders out. But I don't think I, I don't think Casey DeSmith should be the, the immediate starter. Uh I, I know uh Murray backed up to Smith in the Chicago game last night. I think Sullivan said he wanted to ease Murray back into the the game, the flow of the game and not rush Murray into into action against the Chicago Blackhawks, which makes which makes sense. You, you know, he hasn't. I don't, I don't know if he's gotten a, a large chunk of practice time in to really feel comfortable and get back in the groove. But uh, Robbie, in my estimation, I, I don't think I don't think the Penguins should be writing Casey Desmith for the foreseeable future. I think you have to go back to Matt Murray. What do you think?
2: Yeah, Murray's going to be the number one guy. I mean, this, coming up this weekend, you have a doubleheader on Friday and Saturday. They'll split that. And you have a doubleheader on Wednesday and Thursday. So they're going to split that as well. But I think you got to give Murray, Boston, Anaheim, Washington, and Carolina uh, going into Christmas. I know that's a lot of games for a guy coming off injury. But if you're in a situation like the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Tampa Bay Lightning, I understand that. But you're not. You're in the situation that the Penguins are in right now. And you need to put your best twenty-three players plus goaltender on the ice. As good as the Smith has looked at times in this stretch with Murray out, uh, you got to go to you got to go with your number one guy in that, and that's Matt Murray. And you got to give him the games that you need. That, like we said, are more important, maybe a little bit more important than anything. Boston, I mean, you t- you could be chasing them for a wild card spot if it comes to it. You need two points there. Anaheim, whatever. I mean, that's. Yeah, that's a game you want. Washington, you definitely want those two points. And Carolina, you want those two points. You got to put your best players on the ice. Uh, good for Dick, Casey Smith, what he the work he did uh, during Matt Murray's absence. But you got to go with your number one, and I think that's Matt Murray.
1: Get, getting the Penguins to twenty three best players out there on the ice, and one of the player one of the players who hasn't really been aiding the Penguins that much has been Evgeny Malkin, and. It's crazy to think that because three, four, five weeks ago, dating back until the start of the season, Evgeny Malkin was really helping keeping this keeping this team afloat. And um, I, I want to read you. I want to read you Evgeny Malkin's last five uh, last five games and and the stats that he's accrued in the last five games because I, I, this because Evgeny Malkin's presence and this slump that we're going to get into is something. That is also in conjunction with Murray coming back and and hoping to break out of his slump. If the Penguins are going to go anywhere, they're 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 going to need contributions from Evgeny Malkin. They're going to obviously need contributions from from their superstars, and it's it's something. Uh, we, you you briefly brought up Brian Russ's hat trick against Chicago, and we'll we'll add uh, depth and secondary scoring into that conversation in just a second. But here are. Malkin's last five stat lines. Against the Avalanche on December 4th, he had a nice two-point night uh, with a goal and an assist. Uh, following that up on the sixth, he registered one assist, one assist against the Islanders. And then the last three games, he it's just three straight goose eggs. He was a minus four last night against the Blackhawks. And I'm sure, I, I don't put too much stock in a plus minus personally. I think he was on the ice for one or if not both of the empty net goals. But Malkin hasn't really been the same player that he was the first two, three, four weeks of this season. And I think it goes without saying at this point, if the Penguins are going to go anywhere, they're going to need the superstars to step up. But, Robbie, I, I want to get your thoughts. What is it What is it about Evgeny Malkin where he was tearing up the league and, and he was considered, you know, one of the best in the league for the first two, three, four weeks of the season, and now he's virtually gone invisible. Is Malkin dealing with a, a, a ghost injury that that we're not familiar with? Is it just you know he is it just him being in one of his infamous temperaments where like he he's not totally invested in the team right now because I think emotionally and mentally you know Malkin has gone through some of the some of those lapses in the past where you know he doesn't look completely interested. Because the team's not doing well, so I, I want to get your thoughts on what you think. What you think's wrong with Evgeny Malkin, and what what you think the team might have to do in order to get Malkin out of this funk.
2: Yeah, Malkin has a weird way of doing this from time to time, and it's been it's I'd say it's been a while since we've seen it ever if ever if we've seen it get as bad as it is right now. And again, I don't know if it's just frustration that he's not scoring. I don't know if it's. An injury, but he an injury is not an excuse for taking penalties. And now that could be leading to frustration. That he's not scoring, which leads to penalties, as well. But yeah, it's really frustrating to watch Malkin. That's one of the biggest issues facing them right now. Outside, I mean, you have your inconsistent goaltending, you have your uh, maybe lack of defense at times. But Malkin is such a key part of what the Penguins do. It's not having him at his even 90 percent best it's really going to hamper the penguins because that puts so much pressure on the guys like crosby kessel hornquist those top lines and when the bottom the bottom six is not producing it makes things it just compiles things even worse malkin's he's 32 and i hate to say the the age is factoring in because he doesn't if age is a factor i don't think he'd drop off this quick because he was so good last season i just think that it's a mental thing and he's always gone through those stretches where he just does stuff that makes you say what are you even thinking but then he does he's one of those guys one step forward six or one step back six steps forward he'll do he'll do stuff that just blows your mind and you're like oh that's why he's on the team but now it seems like it's the opposite he he has I mean he scores some power play goals and he scored an even strength goal finally a couple of games ago but then he just kind of slid back into where he was it's almost like a microcosm of the entire team season at this point and if he can correct it you have to think the penguins are going to follow suit
1: as well. It's interesting that you brought up the, the the age the age factor. Is it age is it mental? Maybe it's a little bit of both. It's I I really because I really can't put it into words. It's it's weird watching Malkin get into this this funk and it really came at the worst time. I mean he was lighting up the score sheet and really helping this team stay afloat. And, and now the team is struggling for this team is struggling for points, really trying to get uh, into the wind column as consistently as possible. And now with Malkin going silent, that, like you said, it handicaps the depth scoring and it puts so much pressure on Hornquist and Crosby. And if Malkin's not playing at a hundred percent, it's easier for opposing defenses to single in on Crosby, Gensel Hornquist and Kessel. So, It's really, it really has a trickle down factor throughout the rest of the lineup, which is really, it can really uh, handicap the team going forward. If it's mental, you know, you're not going to suggest sitting Malkin in the game for a press bot in the press box for a game. I don't think it's going to be that extreme. Maybe it's just something that, you know, Malkin just has to get the monkey off his back and, and have a, have a nice maybe two goal game. You know, like we said, the, the the penguins are playing some pretty lowly teams coming up uh the Kings uh, the Kings come to mind as you said they're probably they may be worse than the Blackhawks the the ducks are um the ducks really don't scare me the capitals again they'll have the capitals on Wednesday night maybe Malkin can get up for that game knowing what's at stake then they have the wild and then the hurricanes maybe maybe that's what it is maybe Malkin has to just find a way to get off the Schneid and and have a Malkin-esque performance that, that we're used to seeing. Uh, but uh, until then, you know, as much as you don't want to say it, you're kind of just, as a Penguin fan, you're hoping for the best at this point. And you're hoping that the, the rest of December, they, they really close this month out with a bang because if they falter like they had, like they did in November and they go one step forward, two steps back, as we enter into the into the new year and buy the All-Star break, uh, things... Are probably going to look rather bleak in terms of playoff positioning. You don't really want to say that the Penguins are ever out of it, and it's kind of crazy to think that way. That we're already into the middle of December, and you know, the thoughts are kind of creeping into the back of your head that you know, could this be, uh, could this be the down year that you know, the Penguins, Penguins fans haven't really been accustomed to. I, I think uh, the the playoff, the consistent yearly playoff streak comes to mind. Um, most playoff appearances, I think the Penguins, um, with with Detroit finally getting knocked off that pedestal a couple of years ago, I don't know if Pittsburgh now leads that category with...
2: Um, yeah, they do.
1: Is it? Yeah. I, yeah, I they're they like,
2: far. well, they were, I mean, they are, they took over when Detroit lost their streak a couple of years ago. And then the next closest to them was the Blackhawks until they lost it out last year. And going through, if I can think, going, th- I'm just going to run through the team show. They may even have a very long advantage over the next closest team, which I believe right now may be the Capitals. Tampa Bay missed a few, no, no. Boston missed recently. I think the Capitals are second. I'd have to check on Nashville. Nashville has a little streak going here right now. And San Jose has got to be creeping up there at this point, too. Uh, they may have missed semi-recently. Uh, Minnesota probably has a couple years in a row now. They missed last year. I'd say right now Washington's probably number two, but the Penguins have to have a little cushion on that now.
1: We've been so spoiled, and that's the thing. Like We're so accustomed to just like not ha- not having to worry about October through February, getting into march and priming yourself up for what you would hope to be a decent a, a decent playoff push and and now the the shoe's on the other foot and now you you're starting to wonder it, it's funny it's fun just to go on twitter and i mean in every penguins loss you are you're going to get a massive overreaction on twitter but it just seems more amplified now because these are uncharted waters for the most part for penguins fans this is something that you know we haven't had to deal with for what, uh, 10, 11, 12 years? So it's 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 just fun. It's fun to go on Twitter and just watch. It's like the sky is falling. Obviously, you know, we're both Penguin fans, and, and you, you obviously, you know, you want April to come around, and you want a nice long playoff run. But look at what this core has accomplished. For the longest time, people were saying, if Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Latang only end up with that one cup that they won in 2009, this entire experiment, this entire generation of Penguins hockey would have been viewed as a failure. And the last two years, or the last the, the last two out of the three years with the back-to-back, they, they've put that narrative to rest. That narrative is in a grave where it belongs. Whatever happens, I think from here on out, you're you're really just you're really playing with house money, in my opinion. There really is nothing left to prove, I don't think, for, for Malkin and Crosby. You know, they're going to go down as two of the greatest of all time. But I think that at the, in the same token, Malkin and Crosby, I, I think are two different animals and that I think they're still when they reach the, the wrong side of 30, and Malkin's 32 and, and and Crosby is um is 31 and you know they're they're finally hitting that point where you start to think, all right, is this the beginning of the end? I don't think that either of those two are going to really rest on their laurels. I think really until they they really do hang up the skates, I think they're going to be driven to want to win more. But my point still stands is that if the Penguins do have an off year and they don't make it, and if they know by February that they're going to be out of contention, and let's say Rutherford keeps that first-round pick, and let's let's say that you know scout the the scouting department does their job and and they end up getting a decent prospect i wouldn't necessarily view this as a failure i wouldn't view the season as a failure you can't view i don't think you can view the rest of the crosby malkin era as a failure for what they've already accomplished so if this if this one bad year uh, that's
2: yeah no, no there's i mean if anybody views it like that they need to be yeah they need to stop watching hockey because I mean, the Penguins have won five, counting from when they won in 2017. They won five Stanley Cups in under 20 in under 30 years. That is a pretty remarkable feat, considering what they were before exactly. Mario exactly. came, what they were before Crosby came. It's extremely remarkable. I mean, if they're not going to, if you you're not going to view the Blackhawks as a failure during this era with Kane and Taves. They did the same thing that the Penguins did. They won three cups. The Penguins won three cups. They have the back-to-backs. You can't view this as a failure because three cups, that's more than Mario and Yager ever won in Pittsburgh. That is a pretty remarkable feat for a salary cap era a league to be able to do that. There's not even – I mean, the Patriots have their run. There's a handful of teams that can say they won – three or more titles in the short amount of period that the Penguins won theirs. Even if they would miss the playoffs this year, which obviously we're not hoping that, we're not even projecting that at this point, the one saving grace is the Metro as a whole. Either there are so many good teams that they all beat each other, or this is just a down year for the Metro overall. I mean, the Penguins, as bad as they've looked at times, they're still only about five points out of first place in the division. And they got a lot of division nine. They have to win those games, but there's still a lot of daylight left for the Penguins. And if they would miss this year, I don't think it is a window slamming shut kind of thing. It it, it might be some moves in the off season. I don't think Rutherford is going to do anything drastic, like get rid of Kessel or get rid of uh, Murray. Or I, I think Sullivan's pretty safe, at least unless they would unless it be like a Quenville situation where they would completely slide and just completely fall off the face of the earth. Sullivan's safe. I think it's just sometimes it happens. I mean, it's a competitive league, a salary cap league. There's going to be more parity than ever. And sometimes it catches up with you. And sometimes you need one of those those jolts to kind of readjust, recalibrate, and get going again. Clearly, Crosby's still fine. He looks amazing. Letang looks like he should be a Norris finalist. Malkin just gotta get him focused back in it. Kessel's still scoring. It's not like they just look abjectly terrible. There are signs there that there's life. And if I'm missing the playoffs once is what sends us a jolt through this team to be like, hey, we don't have many more chances of this. We better get going. Then then so be it. And it's a silver lining. It's not a silver lining you want, but that's one you have to look at. And that's not it's not the end of the world if something like that doesn't happen if they don't make the playoffs, especially if they would bounce back next year and take home another cup.
1: That's where I think all of this, like all of this unwarranted screaming and and criticism towards Sullivan and Rutherford and the team as a whole throughout social media and and the rest of this fan base is, it, it just blows my mind how every time when this team loses you go, you go and look at the replies on like the Penguins' Twitter feed, or, or you know, if you're if you're in the hockey circle, if you're in the Penguins' Twitter circle, and, and you see some of these takes on Twitter, it's just constantly fire Sullivan, fire Rutherford, blow the team up, trade everything. It's and I, I just I don't get it. I, I really I really don't get it. I don't know how, what kind of people are watching this team and how long they've been watching, but for for people to want to blow everything up. And for people to say that, oh, this team this team has just blocked Sullivan out. Sullivan needs to go. It's not working. DeSmith needs to be the starter over Murray. It's one thing after another after another. This this fan base is just like they can't handle they, they can't handle the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs that that come that come with this game, that come with this league. And and you said it, it's it's such a competitive league. And it's a copycat league too. And I think the fundamentals that the Penguins' two championship teams that they were built on were speed and skill, and we're we're two we're one to two years removed from the championships that they've won, and you can clearly tell that the, the blueprint for the the Penguin championship winning teams, and they, they've kind of been copied throughout the rest of the league with more teams trying to get a a speed slash skill style approach to their game, and the Penguins. Just don't. I mean, they just don't look as fast as they once were. I'm. It's not. I'm not saying that it's completely detrimental to the skill aspect because I still think there's a ton of skill to be had on this team. There. There's even a lot of. I think there's still a lot of untapped potential if we can. If if the team can really just balance out. I was reading an article. I was reading a Mike Darnay's article on Pensburg, and uh, the point of the article was looking at the underlying stats that you were you you, uh, you just brought up the underlying uh, advanced metrics really said that the penguins the penguins are are in good company and if the penguins can really just f- figure out a way to consistently string wins along the underlying the underlying uh, advanced metrics already say that the penguins look to be in pretty good shape moving forward barring some unforeseen drastic or catastrophic decline in play or some horribly catastrophic injury so I, I think in the long term, this team is going to be fine. But like you and I have been saying, if, if what it takes for this team to get a, a recharge in the batteries or a, a jolt down the rest of this organization is to skip out, on, skip out on a year of the playoffs, concerning what this team has already gone through and already won, then so be it. I mean, if you can't handle that as a Penguin fan, then you just have to stop watching.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you don't like it yet, like nobody's forcing anybody to watch here. And I understand it. it's definitely frustrating for me because of of one, course. I, one, I mean, we write about it and we cover it and that's a part of what we do, but I mean, I've been a hockey fan for as long as I can remember. And I, I love hockey. I don't watch just the Penguins. So, but nobody's no one's forcing you to watch the Penguins. If they make you that unhappy, just log off, um, turn on the TV, get on Netflix, hit up playstation xbox whatever you want to do read a book go for a walk i don't care nobody's making you watch the penguins and yeah it's frustrating to sit there and watch like the same thing every night like the mistakes and just maybe lack of effort and all that stuff and but hey hey, they're humans too uh they're getting paid to do a job and uh, it's their they gotta i understand they gotta show up but listen you you gotta it's nobody's making you watch it if you don't if it doesn't make you happy don't watch it and i watch hockey because i enjoy it even if it frustrates me when the penguins are playing like that uh i'm still gonna tune in because i love the game and even if penguins don't make the playoffs i'm still gonna watch the playoffs because nhl playoffs are great we all know that so if they want to sit there on twitter or facebook and rant and rave hey let them do it just if you want to be miserable that's your choice to be miserable like that
1: i mean I, I couldn't have said it better it's just it's just so from from my point of view personally watching watching people in the penguins fan base on twitter and facebook scream into the void about the recent str- the recent struggles it's just like for for a person to be that miserable all the time and to live, some people, I can understand some people wanting to live and die by every single thing that happens with this team if you're that much of a diehard. But, I mean, at some point, you know, common sense and knowledge and taking a deep breath, those kinds of things have to prevail in the end uh, or else, you know, it's just not going to be an enjoyable experience for you watching the Penguins or watching hockey or really whatever you find enjoyment in, for, for that matter. Robbie, I think that will just about do it for for you know w- what we've talked about uh, the recap over the last stretch of games. Uh, if you're all set, we have a great interview lined up with Andy Perlman, the director of new media for the Pittsburgh Penguins. She is probably the person that all of these all of these people on Twitter are directing their anger towards and they don't even know <laughs> it. You know, every time that they're sending a tweet saying, fire Sullivan or cut to Smith, you know, she she's probably receiving the, the bulk of all this hate that famous yeah. fans are spewing <laughs> spewing her way, and they, they don't even they don't even recognize it. We have a great interview interview with her wind up. So if you're all set, we can get straight into the interview. Joining us now on the Pennsburg Podcast, she is the director of new media for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and she is probably one of the people that you are directing all of your anger-laden tweets to. She is Andy Perlman. Andy, how are you? I'm good.
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. So it's great to have you here because this is a perspective that I don't think a lot of people uh, who follow the Penguins or follow really follow sports I don't think this is a perspective that many of them take into consideration. Uh, There is, as a matter of fact, a person or a couple of people behind your favorite sports team's Twitter account or Facebook account or Instagram or what have you. And like like I said when introducing you, all all of this anger that you're shifting towards the Penguins or whatever team you support, it's probably either going to you or or someone else on the team. So uh, I guess my first question for you is, What's it like be, being in that position, really running all of the, the social and, and digital media for not only not only the Pittsburgh Penguins as an NHL franchise, but like as a sports team as a whole in the 21st century with, with all of this new social and digital media that fans have access to?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really exciting and it's ever-changing. Um, I started about five years ago with the Penguins, and since I started, it's changed so much. You know, we started a Snapchat account and Instagram stories came out and, um, you know, people are using different platforms and live streaming became a thing. So, um, I think it's just really awesome. And every day is kind of different and everything is, um, always new and fresh. So, um, I, I love it. Um, you're right. I definitely get anger, but I also get a lot of, (laughs) I get a lot of good stuff when the team is, is playing well. And, uh, you know, a lot of good ideas coming from the fans. So it's uh definitely good and bad. You just can't take any of that stuff personally. So it's my dream job. I grew up in Pittsburgh and uh, grew up watching the Penguins. So it's uh, really great to be able to work with the team that, that I grew up um, watching and, and being a fan of.
2: Andy, obviously your busiest days are, I would assume, are game days. And I mean, the team is, I mean, with if they have a morning skate, they're there early, and then they don't leave until after the game. So you're looking 10, 30, 11, midnight. What yeah. is a typical game day like for you and your team?
0: Yeah, so I would say home and home and away are a little bit different. Um, we, we do cover both, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, for home game, we get there at work. Um, normal office hours are, you know, 8.30. So we get there normal time, 8.30 in the morning usually start with a game day post uh, just saying where, where you can watch a game that we have a game that night, what time, all of that. Um, and then we have kind of a whole bunch of things throughout the day that are kind of normal game day content for a home game. So we have, um, you know, a stats video, we have morning skate, we have the scrums for morning skate, we have quotes that are relevant. Um, if coach says that there's an injury update or a, a starting goalie or, Anything like that, we're, we're kind of scheduled out to put all of those things out at a pretty regimented um, time schedule. Um, and then, you know, different things are going on. So if we have a theme night, it might be a little bit different. Or um, if we know that uh, a celebrity's coming in for the game, we might want to do a, a video or something with those people. Um, we just had superhero theme night, so that was a little bit crazy. You know, in the middle of my day, I'm running up to Pensier to take a cell phone video of. Um, this, this guy who's dressed up as Spider-Man, like dancing around the store. <laughs> like, um, so I think every day is a little bit different depending on the game and the situation. Uh, and there's a lot of sponsored um, and part, partner content that kind of has to go out. But then in addition to that, we're kind of always adding in um, things that we think that the fans are going to like and different different pieces of content that are kind of being produced as things happen. It's a lot of on the fly Um, And then for away games, um, I travel about one trip a month. So um, it's a little bit different when I'm on the road as compared to uh, when I'm covering it on TV. Um, You know, I'm just like sitting at my couch at home covering the game and you know, it's, it's really kind of um, different. I was on the dad's trip this week. So um, with that, you know, there's a lot more content that kind of comes with that and talking with the dads and being able to um, get kind of more of the feel of the arena. But yeah, it's, It's similar, but different every time, I guess. (laughs) Uh,
1: Andy, I'm curious. We all seem to be rather uh, pretty connected and and plugged in to to social media. And and Twitter and Facebook seem to be like uh, the giants in in this landscape of of digital and social media. I'm curious to get your take uh, on how you think digital and and social media have changed the way that not only NHL teams and, and the Penguins present themselves. How do you think digital and social media have changed the way that we view sports and franchises pr- present themselves compared to five, 10 or 15 years ago?
0: Yeah. So when I started with the Penguins, I think I was always hearing, you know, is this something Mario would say, you know, are we comfortable tweeting this? If if a player saw it, if a, an owner saw it, you know, is it something that, that they would feel good about? And I think some teams just have a totally different voice than that. You know, with, um, you know, L.A. a couple years ago, kind of starting and being a little bit more chirpy by nature and kind of making jokes and, you know, how do teams take that and have a personality but have the right personality for your city and for your team and for the situation that you're in? Um, So I think that's been a really interesting shift over time. You know, like so many... Brand accounts like, um, you know, Wendy's get so much attention for just being so, uh, like, funny and and hardcore savage, and um, I think, yeah, like, you know, that's Wendy's thing, Um, but, you know, is that everyone's thing, and then, like, okay, when do we when do we decide to um, make a joke, or when do we decide to kind of chirp someone? And is that hulky culture, but is that penguins culture? So I think we have a lot of um, interesting discussions about who we are as a brand and how we speak to fans and who, how we want to be portrayed. Um, it's kind of crazy in my job, you know. I, you know, I'm I'm not the most important person at the Penguins, but somehow I'm the one that's talking to the fans all the time and kind of like the mouthpiece of the organization, which is um, a lot of responsibility. And it's really cool to be part of that and figuring out how we, we want to talk to the fans on digital and how, how we need to come across. So I think that's changed a lot over time, but um, it's been really great to see kind of how it's flowed. Um, and kind of changed with with the changes of new media in general.
2: You mentioned other teams around the league and their social media presence. How much communication goes on between uh, your team here in Pittsburgh and other social media teams throughout the league?
0: No, we talk a lot, actually. Um, the NHL. And um, MLB Advanced Media, now uh, Disney Streaming Services, which is kind of like our site provider and our digital rights holder, um, they put together a Slack channel for everyone who does digital for any, every NHL team. So mm. we all have group boards in there, and we can kind of chat. Um, you know, there's a social board where we talk about what's going on in social. Um, you know, things about the website or um, best practices. Um, You know, there's different boards for playoffs, and each round of the playoffs has a different board, and kind of talking through all all of those things going on. Um, And then beyond that, you know, there's a lot of personal relationships. I've been doing this for a couple of years now. So, um, you know, you meet people through conferences and league meetings, and, um, you know, we all go to draft in the All Star game and and all the big um, league wide events. So, um, you get to know people, you get to like people's style, and obviously certain personalities click. So um yeah, I bounce ideas all the time. I think the, the slack boards are really awesome because sometimes you're not even thinking about some something and somebody will ask a question and it's like, oh, like okay, like that's interesting. I, I hadn't been thinking about that for our team and is that right for us and why is this team thinking about it? Um, Another really great asset for me is, you know, I talk to uh, the Pirates and and Steelers, Mm. social guys a lot. And, um, you know, we kind of all have a nice bond because Pittsburgh is a pretty crazy sports city, as you guys know. um, And Pittsburgh fans are unlike any other. So um, I think just being able to talk to those guys and we've all kind of been through a lot of ups and downs with our teams over the last few years. So um am trying to like understand how we think Pittsburgh fans are going to react to certain moments and um, they've been incredible and, and really helpful for me too.
1: Andy, if you're ready, we're going to move into the Twitter question segment of the interview. I guess the, the first question here is from coach Travis. He says, is new media more than just social media and what kinds of jobs, whether that be designers, writers, et cetera, are in your department and how big is the staff that you work with?
0: Yeah. So um, yes, new media is bigger than just social media. Um, that includes all of our website, um, a lot of our app, um, any kind of contest or form stack or anything you really see online. Um, Sam and Michelle who, who run a pins and size group are technically in new media. There are writers. Um, so that kind of a little bit falls into our group, but the group that I manage is mostly, website app social all the analytics and then partner integrations into social media and contesting um our group is um i'm director and then i have um three people under me at the moment um, doing website social stats all of that stuff um we we just had our designer uh leave to go to the tennessee titans this off season so we're kind of down a designer at the moment
1: uh how do you pick which teammates team up uh that come on for different social media videos and a lot of the uh, different challenges that, that can be found throughout some of the videos that you post?
0: Yeah, so, so sometimes I can make um, a choice about that or I can make a suggestion. You know, I, I, I think fans see certain players are friends and sometimes we see that and we think, oh, these two guys would be really great together because we'll get more personality out of them or um, a certain challenge is really good for a certain guy. Um, I know uh, a couple, maybe to last year, or the year before, we had Hornquist and Hagelin doing Swedish trivia together, and like, there's n- no one else can do that other than the two of them. Um, so I think um, sometimes it just makes sense with whatever we decide is the competition. Um, other times, um, you know, we'll kind of be talking to guys. I know this year at um, we had a, a alumni and player golf tournament at Top, top Golf before the season started. And I was kind of looking around and I was talking to a couple of the guys about um, what we were planning to do a creative day. And I was talking to Patrick Hornquist and he was like, uh, like, I don't want to talk on on creative day. Like, I'll do other things. I just don't want to like sit and do an interview. And I was like, well, how do you feel about racing tricycles? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was he was like, yes. So I think um, from that, you know, I, I told our PR team like, hey, it sounds like uh, Horny will race, race the tricycles if, if uh, you want to ask him. But ultimately, they're the ones that kind of pull that stuff together. I think they know um, what what is being asked of each player because they're getting the media requests. So um, I can make suggestions and, and we can kind of ask for certain things. And they're pretty good about um, listening to that and trying to make it all happen. Um, but, you know, they, they know much more about who's getting asked to do what and when, and, you know, what these guys are into. And, um, so it's not, it's definitely not all me. Um, sometimes it's luck of the draw. Sometimes a couple guys will come through our station at creative day at the same time. And, you know, that's just luck of the draw. And they, they, they do the competition together. Um, and other times, you know, some of the guys are super, um, specific about who they want to do things with, you know, they they think, you know, I did it with this guy last year and we played well, or um, you know, they're all very superstitious. (laughs) So sometimes it could be something even as crazy as that.
1: Uh, I'll wrap it up here with one last, one last question. Uh, We'll make it a really fun, lighthearted one. Is there a (laughs) chance of the Penguins getting and raising a dog similar to Barkley with the St. Louis Blues?
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I, if I had any control, the answer would definitely be yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I've been, I think there's, there's a couple now. It's the, the Blues and um, the Islanders and the Rangers. Um, so I, I hope so. I, I, I doubt it at least at this point, I haven't heard that that's coming, but, um, I definitely know that a lot of people in my department are always sending along when we see really cute videos of, of, um, of Barclay. I know today he was running around on the ice. <laughs> um, so we always send that stuff. I'm like, to my boss, I'm like, Hey, like, what do you think? Like we should get a dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, sometimes sometimes I send that stuff. And I think part of my job is just taking what I'm seeing on social and then sharing it with, with everyone at the Penguins. Um, and so something like that, like, yeah, it's a good suggestion. And I really hope it happens. But in the scheme of all of the suggestions coming in from fans, it's, pro- it's probably not the one that's on the top of the list, at least at the moment.
1: A shame, really. I, I really, you know... <laughs> I feel like I feel like if enough enough of the fans' voices come together, I, you know, I think there is a chance we can get. I, I think we can get a dog for the Penguins. I think. I think. Yeah, Barclay. I think is. Well, let's the blueprint. put it on record. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We, everyone,
0: we're... tweet and say we need a dog, and then I will compile everything together and yeah. make a really nice case. <laughs>
1: All right, Andy, <laughs> uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedule to come on the Pensburgh podcast and just chat a little bit about digital and social media and really talk a little shooty puck with us.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Anytime. Where, uh, where can uh, all of the all of the fine folks who want to, where can they find you? Do, do you have any sort of uh, social media presence that you want to put out there besides your work with the Penguins?
0: Um, yeah, so my my personal handle is just my name. It's a n d i p e r e l m a n. So that's um, my account on on Twitter. And um, it's mostly, you know, some behind the scenes stuff about working in social, but it's also you're going to get, you know, Game of Thrones and uh, some other like weird may the bachelors on you might see that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's me. But mostly I'm tweeting from the Penguins, to be honest.
1: All right, Andy. uh, Again, thank you so much for coming on and providing your insight into really what goes into uh, creating the the digital and social media presence of the Pittsburgh Penguins. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no
0: problem. Anytime.
1: That was Andy Perlman, the director of new media for the Pittsburgh Penguins, really the the social media overlord for the team. And, uh, Robbie, I I think it's – it's a fascinating concept to, to look at and examine really the the impact that social media has had on sports and individual franchises over the last five to 10 years since like Twitter and Facebook have exploded. I don't know if you share the same sentiment, but I think it it's really interesting to look at, you know, what Andy goes through on a daily basis. And really when, when you sit back and Examine and analyze the role that Andy has in really overseeing all of the all of the um, social media hoopla that she has to she has to go through. You really it really puts it into a new perspective at least for me. And it's it's not it's it's not something that I would take for granted every time that you're you're sending a tweet or a Facebook post to the Penguins. Know that you're either probably sending it. You're probably sending all of her your unwarranted anger and angst to either her or someone else on their their new media team. So it's just it's 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 a fun um, it's a fun aspect of the game that obviously has only recently come into play. But I think it's something. It's it's a fascinating look at how teams and professional sports leagues, for that matter, are are evolving into this into the 21st century with all this new technology.
2: Yeah, when you. If you pay attention all during games, I mean, you see the tweets rolling in and I mean, it can seem, I guess, at a time that it's not as involved as you think it is. But clearly there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes that we do not see that nobody sees that goes into producing not only a game, but the entire season that includes practices, off days, travel, uh, articles, videos, uh, all that stuff to keep fan engagement. Uh, alive and well so credit to andy and her entire team for all the work they do to uh to make i guess to make the franchise more accessible to us the regular fan
1: absolutely i think that yeah you you hit the nail right on the head and described it perfectly it's it's everything that they're doing is only they're only trying to to make the team more accessible for the fan in, in the 21st century which i think is awesome that the penguins and the rest of the nhl and the rest of the sports leagues really around north america and the rest of the world are doing which which is great. I think the closer the fan can get to the, the 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 team, the team experience and the game experience, I think it's a win-win for everybody involved.
2: Yeah, it's 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 interesting it's fun to talk to the I guess the face behind the Twitter account and get their side of the story and to hear what the amount of work they put into it and not only the work, how much they love doing what they do.
1: All right. Well, that will just about do it for episode number nine of the Penzberg podcast. Robbie, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. Our thanks again to Andy for coming on and and taking the time out of her schedule, uh, her obviously very busy schedule uh, to come on and and lend her talent and expertise to the conversation. You can find us on any streaming service of choice, any streaming service imaginable. We are on SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts, and Google play for your streaming viewing and listening pleasure. Uh, if you like what you're listening to, please take two minutes out of your day to give us a a five-star rating on your streaming service of choice. Once again, it really means a lot to myself and all of us here at Pennsburg to know that the work we're putting in for this podcast, uh, is reaching an audience and, and getting rewarded. Um, if you have any other correspondences, any of the questions that you heard on, uh, this episode of the Pennsburg podcast and you want to get involved and get your voice into the conversation, feel free to follow the, the Pennsburg podcast, Twitter account at Pennsburg pod at Pennsburg pod. Uh, we also have an email address that you can send us any sort of note you want to there. Uh, the email address is Pennsburg podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Robbie, where can all the fine folks, who uh, who are on social media, where can they find you to get all of your great hockey and sports and political takes? <laughs>
2: you can find me on Twitter primarily uh, at RJNoggle2. That's at R-J-N-A-U-G-L-E, the number two on Twitter. That's what I use primarily uh, for all of my takes that you should definitely read and agree with because they're all correct. So that's the best place to find me. Uh, on twitter uh if you ever want to talk hockey or anything else that i don't know whatever you want to talk about
1: uh and you can do the same for me you can find me on twitter at gbehanna. that's at g b e h a n n a uh but yeah that will just about wrap up episode number nine of the pensburg podcast for robbie Noggle. uh i have been garrett Behanna again thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time right here on the pensburg podcast